Hello and welcome to the Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. I'm here in the podcast studio, joined by my uh, my dear friend Michael and my colleague Jason. No. And, uh, that was mean. Why is it mean? Because <laughs> I'm more. Of a, I, you're more friends with him and more a colleague with me. That's not true, Michael. <laughs> you're preaching my funeral and making my funeral mask. Oh, you got the funeral mask as well. I didn't want to give it to him because look how happy he is about it. This would be like his kind of thing that he would, he probably knows how to make one. I question the ability to do it with a beard, but. Ooh. You stay out of it. He was going to consult other people. All right. uh, Well, we are here in the podcast studio um, with our podcast equipment, some Luther biographies from our previous episode, uh, my baseball cards from when I was a a kid, Mm -hmm. some of Mike's art. Um, two, uh, not my art, art for my students, um, two, uh, dollies, yeah. a, uh, a Red Wings flag, Michigan flag, Michigan a central flag. Michigan flag, but no memes. We got to work on that still. <laughs> um, but here in the podcast studio to record, um, what hopefully will be a very disciplined episode. It's Wednesday, the second Wednesday in Lent, the Wednesday after Ash Wednesday, Michael is hoping to make a 5 o'clock Lenten service on the south side. Mm-hmm. And um, Jason, are you still thinking of going with me? I am. Um, to hear the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Choir sing and maybe even attending a, uh, a Sloppy Joe supper beforehand. Sounds wonderful. And uh, so we're going to stay disciplined. We're going to skip the free-for-all. And we're talking about a topic that I think should be fun, should be interesting. It's one that... I think comes up in all of our classes um, because Mike has taught Pauline epistles, Jason has taught Pauline epistles, I have taught Pauline epistles. Both Mike and Jason, when they teach Pauline epistles, because they must not think I'm a good enough professor, also include Romans, which is the one book that's not included in that mm-hmm. course because because uh, that's supposed to be my book mm-hmm. <laughs> for my class. Well, um, they also don't include the pastorals. Okay, yeah, thank you for the editorial correction and um and then we also in teaching 110 and 105 do both romans and, and galatians um and we don't have to limit ourselves to paul today uh but um i think it could be fun if with paul and luther and the use of moses and abraham uh, michael also teaches the luther course here um so we teach for instance how a christian should regard moses um the preface to the old testament that talks about this stuff um so this this pops up, and it's interesting to me, you would think when Paul is dealing with challenges or trying to ground the Christian faith in the Old Testament, that uh, one of these guys would be the main guy. And the one who actually ends up being the main guy from the Old Testament in Paul's view is maybe not the one you would think it would be. Um, so we'll get to that. I don't want to steal our own thunder. I will remind you that we are a uh, podcast of the 15... 15- 17 podcast network um jason had his first uh conference call with caleb keith of the uh the head of the podcast network mike has had these other calls we had a very good call uh, 1517 is doing us some solids i would say to help us keep our equipment and our production up so i'm looking forward um to that and uh we um are happy then to therefore continue to be pointing you 
uh, to 1517.org for resources. Blog posts, of which I have been writing, I've had almost one every week for a while. I have been uh, productive with that. Um, academy stuff, Mike has a whole academy course on, uh, yours is vocation, right? And uh, But there's a number of academy courses. Publishing, I have three books with uh, 1517, An Uncompromising Gospel, A Path Strewn with Sinners, and uh, Let the Bird Fly. And Mike has one. Uh, vocation, what's the subtitle? Uh, the Setting for Human Flourishing. The Setting for Human Flourishing. And then I think you've already said. but uh, Yeah, there will be one coming out probably next year on worship. So I've signed the contract. So if you uh, but no, keep an eye there. But they no editorial work has been done, so they may, they may still kick it yeah. to the trash. Well, we'll hope not. Um, but you can check <clears throat> it out for books. Um, and then another thing they have is events. And if I can figure out how to do it, um, we've had sent out uh, these pre-done promotional stuff, which there will be some that we have sometimes have that I plug in. Um, so in, if I figure it out where there would normally be the music between what we're saying now and the main episode, that will be there if you're wondering why. Um, as we get ready then to either go into that or into the music, if I can't figure it out, why don't you go ahead, uh, Michael, and give us our disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches or church bodies or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. Hey, friends, this is Daniel Emery Price from 40 Minutes in the Old Testament and 30 Minutes in the New Testament, and I wanted to invite you out to a Here We Still Stand regional event in northwest Arkansas on April 22nd and 23rd. This is a two-day event that features tons of music and speakers and food and fellowship. I'll be there, joined by Scott Keith, Chad Bird, Dan Van Vores, Kelsey Kalimbara, Caleb Keith, Blake Flatley will be there, Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips will be performing a concert. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can go over to 1517.org slash events, and you can find the Northwest Arkansas Regional Event. It's only $99 for this two-day event. We'd love to see you there. Get registered today. And that brings us to our main topic, which, uh, I don't know, I'll probably give the, the episode a title like um, Moses, Abraham, and Christ, maybe. Um, and uh, in the New Testament, these are two Old Testament figures who do pop up, who do get mentioned, Moses and Abraham. And then, of course, Christ gets mentioned because he's kind of the center and the the big deal in the New Testament. Um but they often will come up in the context of rooting the New Testament in the Old or explaining how the New Testament relates to the Old. So, for instance, um, you'll have questions about what of the Mosaic laws, if anything, still stands, what should be obeyed. And so Moses will come up. Um, questions about circumcision, understandably. You're going to talk about Abraham because uh, circumcision is given in Genesis chapter uh Chapter 17, right? And uh, I will give you credit, Jason. You had a good joke the other day. I, I said something about, oh, some jokes I said in class. I should probably watch it. <laughs> and Jason said he had been uh, 
We've been talking a lot about <clears throat> we're in Galatians and Pauline epistles and it, uh, circumcision comes up a lot, you know, and that's a, uh, it's sort of been, you know, trying to keep that light and humorous as yeah. best as I could. Cause it's, you know. Yeah. And so you said, uh, but maybe I should cut back on that. Yes. Which I thought was a good joke. Yeah. Mike seems to like it. Right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing, Michael? I'm doing a little research on Abraham and Moses okay. here. Would you like to hear I what I'm doing? I don't know if like you, you're checking your stocks or something. No. Uh, I don't do that right now because things are not good in the world. <laughs> I of, like this because yeah. it, I'm so sick of people talking about the economy and equating it with Wall Street. Yeah. Although I don't like it because it's probably going to like affect people giving to the college. and Yeah. Then we're going to have to maybe get rid of a guy. <laughs> right? What did, what did I do when I said get rid of a guy, Mike? You're pointing to yourself, I thought. <laughs> oh, the new guy. First guy in, first guy out. Last yep. guy in, first guy yep. out. Oh, We're no. in the union. It's like I it was think. going over my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe I'll throw out there to you guys. I mean, I have some stuff in mind. But anything that come to mind when you, comes to mind when you hear Moses, Abraham, and Christ, and then the New Testament? So... Um, well, the first thing about Moses is, okay, it, he be, he personifies the law. Now, that's not, doesn't encapsulate everything about Moses, obviously. Um, but, and, and I think that's for, for Paul, Moses definitely is, because he's talking about Mosaic law, that's, that's what, he, what he's after often. But he's also the one who says, and the people were baptized into Moses, right? Which is just, I think, a fascinating way of thinking about it. And Abraham of, you know, Father Abraham, the children of Abraham, but then specifically both in Paul's argument in Romans and Galatians, he's talking about that Abraham was justified by faith. And so in both of those letters, he's making an argument for grace alone. And in different contexts, after he lays out the argument, and the argument's a little bit different because Galatians about circumcision in particular, after he lays out the argument, he seems to say, now here's an example from the Old Testament, just so he's anticipating maybe uh, a Jewish Christian rather than a Gentile Christian, a Jewish Christian um, objecting to this idea about you don't have to follow the law. And so he says, and it, the way I think he, he comes off is like, even Abraham, your father, you're everything. So I think... Uh, and keep in mind that the father thing was big. This is what they were going to stone Jesus about, for instance, when he says... They say, we've always been free. Our father is Abraham, yeah, right? Yeah. Jesus says, your father's the devil. And, and, I, and when I think about Moses and Abraham as well, I think about, you know, what is what, what is the identity of, of a Jewish person in Jesus' time and even even in the, in the early church, the Jewish Christians? Um, I argue that the biggest event of the Old Testament is the Exodus. It's kind of like... It's like all of our holidays wrapped up into one. So, and it shows itself in the Christian it, liturgy. You know, so... It's, it's the beginning of their nation, July 4th. It's emancipation, so it's Juneteenth. It has a, a centered around a family meal. It's Thanksgiving. It has religious connotations. It's, this, is, this, is their, this is their identity, right, for Jewish people. And think about the Passover Seder all the way up until today. Um, but when it comes to sort of um, I am Hebrew, right, and, and I don't want to use the word ethnicity because for, for when we say the word Jewish, it's more than ethnicity, right? It is religious. It's, um, but, but I am Hebrew. I am, I am son of Abraham. I was meant to be free, right? So Abraham 
is you are free people. Moses is the one who carries out that uh, emancipation freedom from a secular point of view, right? So if you, you think of the, there's probably three figures that, that are going to be identified. You have the kingly, you have the kingly David, the, 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 the people is going to be Abraham, but, but their, their religion, um, and maybe their most identifiable figure, at least for the, for the Pharisees, for sure, would have been, I think, Moses, mm-hmm. right? And so Paul is going to talk a lot about Moses in a way that's the different that he talks about Abraham and, and rarely, I don't think, rarely talks about David. I don't even know if he references David very much at all. Yeah, and so, and, and this is one of the things for us to keep in mind too. Sometimes Paul's going to talk about Moses without mentioning Moses. So <clears throat> Moses will come up four times in Romans. He's going to come up in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. In Galatians, you're going to be hard-pressed to find mentions of Moses, but you can't understand Galatians without understanding Moses. When he talks about the law in Galatians, um, he's often talking about the Mosaic law, right? This is what his, um, those receiving this letter with a Jewish background there would would have been going back to Moses with this stuff. Well, even in even equating when he's talking about the the allegory with um, Hagar and Ishmael and Abraham and Isaac, he brings Sinai into the mm-hmm. which again is connecting to Moses, yeah. right? So yeah. I mean, even if he's not mentioned by name, he's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that that's going to pop up a fair amount in his epistle too. And maybe we should just throw that in there. When, if you look for Sinai, if you look for um, the Old Covenant, this is all Moses' talk. Yeah. Um, I'll throw something out there real quick. So Old Covenant, New Covenant is Pauline. So, I mean, that's obviously, I'm not saying that's a bad way to talk. But um, I've been more and more trying to, like, discuss with students. I think it maybe confuses them that the New Covenant is not, like, entirely new. Right, the, mm-hmm. it's in Christ, but the new covenant's kind of also the first covenant too. Um, I think we call it new because it's now in Christ rather than the, the contrast with Moses. But uh, Adam and Eve were Christians, right? They they're given the promise of Christ, and so I've started like using the illustration of like, uh, and they don't know what I'm talking about. But when they made new Coke, yeah. and then everybody's like, new Coke's garbage. And then they went back to old Coke. Um, maybe if we think new, old, new in the sense that Moses himself was a Christian in the sense that he also looked forward to the Messiah. He writes these promises um, of the Messiah. Uh, it's just the Messiah hadn't yet come. And until he had come, the old covenant then is what those who believed in the coming Messiah <clears throat> were given to hedge them off as a people for the Messiah's coming so that we don't do the disservice of somehow the new covenant is just new Testament, old mm-hmm. covenant is old. And that will get to why Abraham pops up. Well, and I think even there you could say, you know, the covenant that God establishes with Abraham is, you know, kind of, again, a restatement of new covenant type of things, right? I mean, the whole, the whole arrangement with the, you know, cutting the animals and the smoking yeah. fire pot and all that stuff. Cutting a deal. Yeah. Cutting a deal. Right. And, and, but 
the Lord is the only one who obligates himself there. Abraham is just the bystander, right? So, I mean, in even fact, there... Abraham gets put in a deep sleep so that he can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have you have that going on with Abraham there, too. Even if you, if you want to talk that covenant language, um, it's an interesting contrast between that and what you see with Moses and the Israelites on Sinai. And, uh, and so I just, I, I offer that as a bit of a caution because I don't want anything we talk about in this episode to be construed as if this is, it was just all law and then all gospel, which is, you know, in catechism class, we probably all learned that you had to dispel those notions Right, so quite I mean, often. still get people Old Testament God versus New Testament God, law versus gospel, yeah. Can, can, I, uh, can I tell you some research I did? Yeah. Just right now? I will note Mike has a stack of papers. Now, uh, this is a bad way to do um, exegesis. and um, I'm already looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> and be, for a variety of reasons, but I did quick up look how many references to Abraham and Moses because I was curious because we're kind of talking about, does, does Paul talk about Abraham and Moses equally? Which one does he, he make use of? So in the Old Testament... Moses is referred to 718 times. Now, a lot of that's just Moses said this, then Moses said that. David, because of all the stories, is actually 920. Nice. Abraham. 920, that's the Houston-Sford area code. That's where my wife is from. As well as Fox Cities. Coincidence. 920 represent. Abraham, Abraham, only 159. In the New Testament, Moses is 85 times. Abraham 76 times and David 54 times. So it becomes a little bit more even in Paul. He references Moses 10 times with your caveat that he's always in the background. Abraham 22 times and David only four times. So I know we can, we can, there's caveats with all of this, but by the numbers, it does seem that Paul is going to flip around the idea that he's going to talk about Abraham a little bit more in Moses. Obviously, caveats with that. But uh, it does show that at least uh, David is going, or Paul is going to say, Abraham's an important figure, not just because of the stories, but because of the theological implications of him being righteous by faith. Yeah, And I think, too, Paul doing this, and as, as you note, flipping it numerically, uh, would have been very intentional and was um, maybe would have surprised a lot of his Jewish readers or listeners, um, but that's part of why he's doing it, right? Mm-hmm. This is with his rabbinical trading. Paul makes um, both Romans and Galatians, but especially Romans are are just tight arguments that keep unfolding on each other, and um, right, he probably knew he would get some desired effect out of. Um, how he he proceeds with this, and I think people are probably, especially coming out of a maybe a Pharisaical attitude, they they, <coughs> they have mused upon Moses and all these laws, and maybe have forgotten the one sided covenant, have forgotten you are children of Abraham, right? Yeah. And then the connection, like he makes the connection right that children of Abraham then are the people who believe in Christ rather than uh, the people who are you know can can directly, uh, they're not directly in the family tree of, of Abraham. And of course, I, I think, again, the big deal is, especially in Romans and, and, uh, and Galatians, is to say, I'm not saying anything new. Yep. Here's an example from Abraham, right? And I love how he does it in Galatians. He's like, 
how could Abraham be justified by faith and others when he was justified by faith before there even was circumcision? And so, and this is where I wanted to go next. So, so keep going with this, and you and Jason can. Um, so, we, when we get to Galatians, and three and four is where um, Paul's going to really start doing this. Um, and so, if we can maybe just, just to give the timeline, Galatians twelve is the calling of Abram. We might say election. Gen- Genesis twelve. Genesis twelve. Sorry, Genesis twelve. Uh, the calling of Abram, we might say election, right? Um, Genesis 15 is the cutting of the deal, uh, right? These animals are cut in half. God walks through, which is means the obligation for keeping this is on God alone, one-way covenant. We might even call that preaching. And then we'll get Genesis 17, which will be circumcision, which is not only uh, a work to be done, but a reminder of the promise we could maybe even say sign right um and uh and yeah galatians 3 and 4 is going to be where he's really going to unpack this and i'll throw it to both of you to maybe get at what you see him doing here i can i add something to your timeline another correction for me no it's just adding something which i think you know builds upon that is that it is in that genesis 15 account where you hear that key passage of Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness where again, apart from any and all those things that come after. So I I think that's just a a key thought that that's when that shows up, which Paul will use in both Galatians and Romans um, together with um, Habakkuk, right? Both Paul's key like, thesis statement type statements are going to be Old Testament statements. Yeah. Sorry, but go ahead. You guys know. Go ahead. I'm doing more research. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking too that um, that whole idea of um, timeline being an important thing with um, Paul's arguments in a lot of ways, right? Where, you know, this idea of um, pointing to Abraham and, you know, his status as righteous by faith um, before you get to any talk of circumcision, before you get to any um, requirement of law, before, you know, I mean, you're you're a few hundred years away from, from Sinai and, and Moses at this point. And yet he says that's the establishment of, you know, this righteousness um, before God by faith. And, and it's, and, and and the other thing that I was kind of thinking too, and this was going back a little bit to what Mike was saying, is you, know, you can maybe understand how they got a little bit sideways on this whole idea of identity and stuff, because especially coming out of the out of that the exile and being reestablished, I mean, what, that idea of being able to trace your identity, your your actual family lineage, um, as far as I can trace my bloodline back to, you know, that was a big deal if I if I recall correctly. Um, and for Paul to then turn around and say, no, it's not about that at all, but it's, you know, are you following in the footsteps of Abraham as far as, you know, faith is concerned? And, and that's what really makes you a, a child of Abraham and, and not the observances of the law that, that you seem to be so keen on wanting to identify with yourself with um, Moses and and those practices to, to determine who you are as, as a, a Jew, as an Israelite, um, as a, as a member of God's chosen people. 
and this has political implications today <clears throat> because who is truly Israel, right? Um, you can you can see some Christians saying, uh, well, uh, I think Romans 10, are we talking about, uh, you know, that the Jewish people are going to be converted, uh, sons of a, they, they take that as a literal, right, an ethnic thing. And uh, that that affects global politics in a very, very real way. And I would say more elections than we care to admit in the United States, right? That you, you have to be, uh, there are some uh, evangelical Christians who are, think that God's waiting for us to uh, take over certain lands and convert certain ethnic people. Um, Jesus is uh, twiddling his thumbs in heaven waiting for us to take care of this business. <laughs> right, yep. And so uh, that affects the way uh, politics uh, gets played out not only in the United States but around the world. So this is not this is not just three guys sitting around here, nothing to talk about. You know, uh, this actually has some real life implications for uh, for everybody. Yeah, and so um, the uh, as Paul's making his argument, and, and it's interesting, Romans three and four, and Galatians three and four, are going to be where this really comes up a lot. Um, Abraham becomes, as you guys were kind of hitting at, a universalizing figure. Um, in both letters, up to this point, there's been debates, questions about how and Jew, Jew and Gentile fit together in the church. Um, Galatians, he's answering, or he's replying to a controversy that had clearly developed. Um, Peter accidentally fuels it as... Um, you had had Judaizers who came to the Galatian congregations. This is a region. And they uh, they say what Paul said was pretty good, but you still need to keep some of the Mosaic law, namely circumcision, maybe some dietary laws. And Peter comes to visit. And he, um, when some men come from James, uh, probably Judaizers, he begins to withdraw and hang with the Jews and not with the Gentiles, which is practice undermining doctrine. And this is a big point, too how practice and doctrine relate. And so Paul says he rebuked Peter, and Peter, to his great credit, received the rebuke. Um, and it's then that in 3 and 4, Paul is now going to use Abraham as a universalizing figure so that Abraham becomes the father of all who believe. <clears throat> in Romans, he begins, nice greeting, nicer than Galatians. He's never met this congregation before, right? It's founded by someone else. And then he gets to his thesis statement, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith, which he's just taken from Habakkuk. <clears throat> and then he's going to make um, kind of two frontal assaults on work righteousness or on our view of the law. He's going to attack first the idolatry, and he focuses on uh, the Gentiles, so the temptation to turn gifts into gods, um, which manifests itself in wickedness. And here he uses um, sexual immorality in particular. But then he's going to turn and say, Oh, you Jews, are you enjoying that part? Did you like what I wrote? Um, what about you who have the law? How are you doing keeping it? Um, and then he's going to show the dangers of legalism. So we'll get licentiousness, that I have a license to sin, and legalism. And then in three, we're going to begin with the all talk, all of sin and fall short. We're all under condemnation. And yet... All who are saved will receive salvation as a gift. And then we get to four, and he's going to talk about the role of Abraham. And so Abraham will be the father of all who believe. Um, 
this will become uh, uh, central to his argument. This is this is what it is um, to be a Christian is to be in the kind of Abraham, right? And here he's going to get to um, circumcision preceding or the promise preceding circumcision. He is Abraham believes before it's he's circumcised. So in verses um, nine in chapter four in Romans. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, which Jason thankfully pointed out earlier from Genesis. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before. So Genesis 15 precedes 17. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal, a marker, like a wax seal, of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. <clears throat> right? Um so can Paul can talk the true Jew is one who is one inwardly as well and not just outwardly. Um, and here then, Abraham, who is rightly stressed as the father of the Jews, and right, you talked about genealogies, Jason. <clears throat> now he becomes universalized as the father of all who believe, and precisely because he's called before he's circumcised. And you might remember with Moses even, Moses is called. And... Um, he doesn't want to go, but he's been prepared for it. And so God calls him. Moses is going to be the preacher to deliver Israel. But then uh, then God tries to kill him. And you guys remember why God tried to kill him? His wife saves him, his heathen wife. Because he had not circumcised his boys. And so Zipporah is going to step in. So you can understand, by the way, why people are thinking circumcision really, 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 yeah. really is important. Right. Yeah. Um, but even there... Notice again, circumcision comes after the calling, the election of Moses, and the promise given to Moses um, of the Exodus, which, as Mike mentioned, is the um, defining event of the of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And maybe we sometimes do Moses a disservice when we forget that's the same Moses is is the one who gives us the saving name of God and right, is tasked with delivering mm -hmm. with salvation mm -hmm. um, for the people of, of Israel. Um, he's also the same one who writes the promises of the Pentateuch yep. um, and gives us, right, the, the, these examples of And the, of there's faith. something different about saying, okay, Moses is emblematic of the law in an argument, much like the Sarah Hagar, mm -hmm. it's an allegory, right? right. Yep. Um, in fact, you're like, wait a minute. Sarah seems to be on the good, the gospel side of this. I'm like, Sarah's not on the good side, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to yeah. understand it's an allegory. So, you know, we could rightfully say Moses and the law, Moses a shorthand for, for the law, um, which does not save, even though it is the most salutary doctrine of, of God, as Luther would say. Right. Yep. So, and I'll even play, play with the words of, you know, Moses doesn't bring the people into the promised land as Joshua, Yeshua, it's, it's Jesus, right? I mean, that, that's not out of bounds. But you're right. We forget 
and even in Paul's language, right, that they were baptized into Moses. Moses was their identity, much like Christ is our identity. Right? And he needed to be, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why... Um, and Mos- But Moses' identity, not just as... It wasn't because he brought the Ten Commandments, it was because he took them out of the right. Egypt. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and it, it's interesting there in that regard, too, that often in the Old Testament, and I would say also at the martyrdom of Stephen, when God is rebuking Israel... And he's reminding them that they've lost sight. God will preach some law in the form of like, hey, here's, we had the Sinaitic covenant. Here's laws that you've not been keeping. But almost always, what else does he include? Is the, is the Passover, is the Exodus. Do you forget this, this saving event I did? Yeah. Um, I, I saved you. Yeah. And there's maybe a parallel to Christian preaching in that too, that the law is not just, you didn't do enough good works or you did bad things in this way, but like you forgot that I'm savior, that I deliver you. And, uh, and there maybe then, um, you know, it's helpful for us. And, and, And Stephen does this too in his sermon before he's crucified, he recounts the history of Moses and then he gets to Jesus. Um, that to be fair to Moses, uh, you know, this, um, that this, uh, is his key task. Stephen stoned. Right. Oh, we're using that. Okay. Um, yeah, I... Not like Illinois, Michigan stoned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, um, that would have been a better day for yeah, When you think about Psal- the Psalms, you think about... Yeah, there's some stuff about creation and God being... But I'm willing to bet that if you, if you go through the Psalms, that maybe the Exodus is referenced as much as anything else. Right. And, yep. and the language is, don't you remember? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen the, even I says am, of Moses there, um, <clears throat> Moses, who told you the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me, the Messianic promise. Right. Sorry, go ahead. I, you know, I, I'm the one who brought you out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and when, when the, when, when Rahab and, and, uh, is freaked out about the Israelite army, she doesn't say, you know, the creation or the 10 commandments she's referencing. They are referencing, we know what, you, what your God did in Egypt. We know what your God did in Egypt, right? And, and so. that becomes, um, to some degree, right, um, part of the, the Christian divine service. Um, now, I'm not saying the Lord's Supper is basically just a glorified Passover meal. Like, but it's connected. Right. Sometimes people go a little far with that, like, let's just reenact this Seder meal and we'll, yep. whatever. But, um, so I'm not saying, like, it's go a, have a Seder meal. It's it's a forerunner as much as the washing rituals were a forerunner of baptism. Exactly. And Jesus, in the, this day is intentional that it's at the Passover that this is instituted. Um, I mean, they're also, right, this, they, they, the apostles had a very specific event in mind on that day. Mm-hmm. And now Jesus is saying, here's, here's something yeah. better. And he used, does it also with, if we think of the Mosaic law and the Levitical law, well, what's one of the big parts with the dietary laws? Nothing with blood in it. Why? Because the life is, the in, life the is in the blood. And so what does Jesus do at that Passover meal? He says, this is my body, which makes sense because they ate the lamb, the Passover lamb. But then he also does this thing which would have been a big deal yep. and extra offensive mm-hmm. to the Jew who was used to kosher. He now says, 
this is my, my blood. blood. Yeah. And what do we confess? We receive in it, but forgiveness and salvation, but also life. Life. Yeah. So I think about Moses, uh, you know, in relationship to Jesus, uh, you have the passage of first in first Corinthians, uh, 10 of, you know, Moses is you, you're baptized by water. You're saved. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot going on there and that's similar to us being baptized in Christ, but also the Passover meal that looked back to their big event, the Exodus, but look forward to the lamb of God. So Holy communion, we do this in remembrance of Jesus, our most important event, but looks forward to the heavenly and by feast way, in heaven. By the, not just remembrance, like, Oh, I remember this happened, right. but this, this a actually lot is there. Yeah. And, um, the fact that there's a meal, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That this is yep. how God created us to interact with him and with each other from the very beginning. Eat, don't eat, listen. That's what we do, word and meal. And that pops up with Abraham too. A lot of times when angels or someone's appearing, to, they're, they're, gonna, they're cutting up animals or they're eating mm -hmm. or, or Abraham's going to serve the angels right when they come. Mm -hmm. um, so this um, plays in. What do you, what else, go with anything you guys got right now and then I'll throw out whatever, but... Oh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think maybe just like that. I think it's interesting too, you know, or, or maybe, and this is something that might be somewhat obvious, but I think is important to, to recognize too, like what, when he talks about this in Romans, Romans, especially where he says, you know, there's, there's really only, there's really only two ways, right. Where, you know, and it's, and it's either by works or by faith. Right. And, and then he he draws that close connection both to works to Moses and Abraham to or faith to Abraham mm -hmm. and you know it's like you, you can't you can't straddle between the two you know it's and again that's like i said it's maybe an obvious thing but it's something that you you dare never forget and he doesn't he doesn't offer yeah. any other option right it's it's one or the other yeah. and uh you know that's where it's important to be clear on that and to be clear which side, you know, yeah. you need to be on. And Abraham and, and Moses both neither get the promised land. Right. Right. Um, Moses gets them about there. And, but for Abraham, it's, it's years off through faith. Mm -hmm. um, he's wandering. And yet there's a, a difference in there too. Moses doesn't get it because he had sinned, right? Mm -hmm. He got mad and whatever, what was he, through the... He's confusing my Bible story. Struck, the, struck rock. the rock rather than spoke to it. Which, to be fair, <laughs> should have just listened. Yeah. But but, um, but Abraham, from the beginning, knows he's not going to inherit it. Um, it'll all be through offspring, right? And so we see the importance. And so what all Abraham has, he's not given special law, other than the sign of circumcision, is promise. And promise that has to be trusted promise that even wasn't even that easy to intellectually understand i mean god is he's not big on specifics with abraham right like yep your offspring's going to get this land okay so i'm going to like have a kid yep how many yeah when like uh how yeah, yeah. Yep. and um and so all abraham has trust which i think is a reminder too when sometimes we make faith, um, and there's a point to breaking it down to what uh, fiducia, essentia, and uh, scientia. scientia, knowledge, scientia, <clears throat> essentia, ascent, and fiducia, I believe. But um, but Abraham's a really good example of just what trust is. 
Um, and uh, not that Moses does. Moses gets to be at the transfiguration. Yep. Moses there, <clears throat> not just to see it, but to say this is the Christ. So it's not that um, that he's un unimportant. Um, could I just toss out, do you think it's fair to say, um, and I hope it is because I said it in a Bible class the other day, uh, that um, the Judaism as it exists today is this the um, religion of those who have not accepted Christ as a Messiah and that it is um, as old as uh, the Incarnation, but not older, and that Christianity is the religion that goes back to Eden and of the Old Testament. Sure. Yeah. Although historically you could say maybe, okay, there were some rabbinic changes in the intertestamental period, but your point is well taken. Yep. <clears throat> that, because sometimes kids will even ask in classes, right, well, how were they saved in the Old Testament? Huh. And the answer is through faith. Right. Now, they didn't know <clears throat> all the details. Neither do they we. Knew. Right. Um, yeah, and faith in the Savior is the same, whether you're looking whether you're looking forward to it or looking back at it completed, yep. right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's... It's still faith in the Savior that God promised. Yep. And so that Abraham becomes on this type for that. To me, it's just very interesting. Um, Paul will use this and uh, um, right, and it's even uh, Abraham's told, or Paul unpacks in Romans 2, like <clears throat> this is going to happen with Abraham. Uh, this is how things are going to go. And then he notes... Um, no, I shouldn't have flipped the page. Right, there's going to be 430 years or whatever from Abraham to Moses. Those of Abraham's, li Abraham's line, they're operating on, on promise, right? They didn't have the Mosaic law. And so to, this, this is a helpful reminder, and it gets to that the new covenant isn't quite so new, right? All right, any closing thoughts you guys got? I've done some more research. Okay, oh, please do share. Go for it. The name Michael is referenced 15 times in Scripture, 13 in the Old Testament, twice in the New. Jason makes it five times, four in Acts, one in Romans. Uh, the most, Jesus, 1,310. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul, 239. Peter, 178. James, 38. John, 161. And Wade, twice. Oh, one Isaiah and one in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 68, 23, I'll read to you. That your feet may wade in the blood of your foes while the tongues of your dogs have their share. That's my confirmation verse. <laughs> it should have been. I don't have a confirmation verse. Yeah, I never got one. Did they do that? I got a saint Catholic name in Church? Catholicism. Not a, no, I got a saint name. Do they not get uh, confirmation verses? We didn't. Yeah. And then when I got... Then we should give adult confirmands yep. verses. We... We try. We tried to, you know, as yeah. Do you guys know what my confirmation name was? Have I not told this story? Robert. I'll save it for Bellarmine, another day, but I'll Robert, tell you what it is. Robert it's Augustine. Bellarmine. Is it nice? Oh yeah. I had I no think clue I, who he yeah. was, but well, I I de facto give you as your confirmation verse Psalm twenty two and twenty three. The Lord says, "I will bring them from Bashan, I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes." Well, the tongues of your dogs have their share. That's your confirmation Shotsy. verse. Shotsy right. gets to drink their blood, huh? No. 
<laughs> he will have his share. Shotzi would, would drink blood, I think, because she, she will have her anything. share. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that my name's 15 times, Jason's five, and Wade is only twice. Um, and then I, just to jump back to the 430 years thing, it's Romans 317 I have in mind, and, and Paul says, this is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void, <laughs> right? The new covenant is older than the old um, <clears throat> by like 430 years. And then even beyond that to um, Adam and Eve, yeah, right, who right. are also given a promise of offspring. And right, Luther notes that Eve maybe even thought it was fulfilled in her lifetime. She thought maybe Cain was. <laughs> she says, I've forgotten the man. And we're Nobody, all wrong about kids sometimes. Nobody's been more disappointed <laughs> in her children than Eve. Yeah. But I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who's, why don't you, you've been practicing beginning. Why don't you wind it down for us, Jason? All right. <clears throat> well, it's been a good discussion on Abraham and Moses, and uh, it's important to keep that distinction of uh, covenants of uh, law and gospel of sin and grace and all those things. And, uh, it's especially important as you go forth from listening to a podcast like this to live your life while you let the bird fly. Mike scale it one to five. Four. Oh, I think I get 2.5. 2.5. I think it was going pretty well, but you had the opportunity to connect like, Moses and Abraham. Oh, then in a world yeah. that gives us yep. still gives us plenty of Moses law. There you go. We yep. can, we <clears throat> Abraham is our father. As we let the bird fly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, y'all. Uh, we will uh, let the bird fly. Have a good one. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down.